0: Welcome to September podcast at Watershed. My name is Mark Cosgrove and I'm the head of programme here at Watershed. I've just returned from resting on the sands of northern Spain. The siesta has to be one of the most civilised of inventions. In between the serious work of constructing sandcastles and finding some ice for the rather generous measures of gin and tonic, I took the opportunity to renew my acquaintance with the great Spanish city of Bilbao. A real working city with a huge port and an elegant centre. Not dissimilar to Glasgow, but maybe that's just me. I, like many a cultural tourist, I suspect, have become familiar with the city through the Guggenheim Museum. As I approached the city, I wondered whether Geary's radical style might now seem folly. Maybe it would look dated. Maybe the titanium and sandstone would look too whimsical for such a grand, earthy, working city as Bilbao. But no, the building is still simply extraordinary from all angles, but especially as you approach it from the centre. The titanium sparkles between the grand dark stone buildings. Its curves echo the curves of the hills behind. As you get closer, the building expands, inviting you in to play and explore. Even Jeff Koons, whose work I have to admit I don't really care for, even his huge flowering dog sitting guard on the building puts a smile on even the sternest of faces. If you haven't already, then try to catch up with Sidney Pollack's documentary Sketches of Frank Geary to get an insight into how this extraordinary architect works. But what of the exhibitions, I hear you say? Excellent, I would reply. The monumental sculptures of Richard Serra, the equally monumental work of Anselm Kiefer, the intricate, intimate sketchings of Albrecht Durer, and a revelatory history of Basque art. All the work bounces off each other to illuminating effect. Themes and interrelationships are uncovered, the experience enhanced by the playful elegance of the interior of Geary's masterpiece. I've just revisited the gallery on the web, www.guggenheim-bilbao.es. This experience has got me thinking, what is the relationship between these two things, the web Guggenheim and the building Guggenheim? Can the experience of visiting one replicate the other, especially when Web 2.0 is out there and people are apparently migrating onto Web's Second Life? And what does it mean to see a piece of art, a film online, rather than in a gallery or cinema? Now I'm on to thinking about Watershed and wondering if our cinema audience will migrate onto Second Life as well. What is this internet doing to us? These and many other issues I will be discussing with author and internet entrepreneur Andrew Keane, whose new book, The Cult of the Amateur, is a timely call for reflection on the impact of the web on culture. The event, entitled Is Today's Internet Killing Our Culture?, is on Friday the 7th of September at 7.30 at Watershed. Meanwhile, back in the cinema, it's that time of the year when three screens are simply not enough for the sheer volume and range of world cinema that's coming through. At the more mainstream end of the scale, Michael Winterbottom, who is without doubt one of the most talented and dynamic British directors, has got together with global star Angelina Jolie to tell the true story of the experience of political journalist Mariana Pell, whose husband Daniel was kidnapped and murdered in Pakistan. In A Mighty Heart, Winterbottom shoots in that edgy close-up documentary style reminiscent of his earlier film, In This World. When I saw A Mighty Heart at Cannes earlier this year, my concern was that I am constantly thinking I am watching Angelina Jolie and wonder whether this gets in the way of Marianne Pearl's story. The flip side of course is that the story gets out to a wider, more mainstream audience than say in this world. There is no argument with Winterbottom's strategy. This month also sees the release of Bernardo Bertolucci's Last Tango in Paris. I first saw this film in the early 80s where it came with a X certificate if that was possible and I'm sure it was in Presbyterian, Glasgow. A public health warning, enshrouded in the furtiveness of pornography. It is less explicit, and not titillatory, but certainly groundbreaking in its exploration of desire and sex. Of course, the real drama is the crisis in the Brando character, his despair and inability to connect with real emotion. The film is Brando's, his performance is gargantuan, bringing him back to critical acclaim after years in the wilderness. Your take on Brando and the film may well differ if you're coming from a male or female perspective, but that discussion's for another time. To coincide with the release, there is a season of Brando films on at the Arnolfini, .arnolfini www.arnolfini.org.uk, which includes such classics as Streetcar Named Desire, On the Waterfront, The Godfather and Apocalypse Now. Back to the North Spanish Coast... Whilst I was away I tried to avoid my mobile phone, however one day I got a text from a very good friend, it read simply, Bergman dead. A shame but not unexpected I thought, and reflected on Bergman's huge influence in the world and art of cinema. The next day I got another text which read, Antonioni dead! This is surely not coincidental another defining figure in the art of cinema gone. Along with African auteur Ousmane Semben who died a couple of months ago, this is the passing of three great figures in the film world. Their contributions to cinema will of course live on, but how might we best mark their influence? Maybe a joint retrospective in the Guggenheim would be appropriate to artists of such stature. Till the next time, thanks for listening.